Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. It is I, Jessica, one of your co-hosts, and as always, I am joined by my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today we're doing another patron select. This one goes out to Kathy. She is one of our patrons and we are so thankful that she supports the show and we are, I always want to say happy to do these, but like this one is really sad. So I'm going to say that we're grateful that we have the opportunity to entertain you. Yeah, I don't know what else to say to that. Yeah, I don't either. If you want your own dedicated episode like Kathy, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls or clicking on the link in the link tree below. All of our $10 and up patrons get a dedicated episode for that. This one is a little different because Kathy actually knows the victim in this case. So I'm going to do my very best, Kathy, to bring this story to people. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be talking about the case of Charlie Ann Wyrick. Charlie Ann Wyrick was born October 25th, 1989 in Helena, Montana to Crystal and Charles Strait. I think it's Straith. Yes, Straith Jr. She moved around a lot as a child living in Arizona and Colorado before returning to Helena to finish off high school. Then she would move to a town that was closer, kind of in the area. It's called Missoula, Montana. And that's where she was living at the time of her death. Her first job was a paper route for the independent record in Helena, which I was like, that's so cute because you don't really hear like in today like people having paper roots. And I think maybe because like the lady who had my paper route had the route my whole life and I hardly ever saw her. Hmm. And she was said to be a very hard worker because she had like a lot of jobs over the years. She was always employed. The last couple of years of Charlie's life, she worked at Safeway and it's Patty Canyon Market. Charlie was bubbly and spirited. Her mother, Crystal, describes her saying she was very easy to get along with. She was headstrong, but she had a great personality. Charlie was into photography and loved taking pictures and editing them. She enjoyed spending time with her family and friends, camping, barbecuing, horse riding. Charlie was also the proud mother of a little boy. His name is Harley. Um, I'm not going to say his last name or his father's name. Harley's father and Charlie were not together, but Harley got his name from one of Charlie's siblings who died as an infant. So I thought that was really cute. And it showed like how connected she was with her family because this sibling had died like 20 years before. But the fact that she would still honor that sibling. 
Yeah. Charlie also had a live-in boyfriend by the name of Emmanuel Gomez. He was 30 years old. Charlie was 26, and this is in 2015. Emmanuel also went by Manny. Charlie was very well-loved by her co-workers, and it was very unusual for Charlie to miss work, but she did so around Christmas of 2015, and her co-workers got really nervous. So... On December 25th, Sherry Hargus and her son went to investigate why Charlie stopped showing up at work. They went to Charlie's house, which was located on Whittaker Road in Missoula, Montana. And this is the house that Charlie shared with Emmanuel or Manny, and they had a couple of roommates. Quick fact you should know, Sherry believed that Manny had been being abusive to Charlie. Sherry had seen bruises on Charlie's arm, as well as scratches on her neck, and like various stages of healing and just over time. They must have talked about the abuse because Sherry is also quoted saying, I offered to take her out of state. I offered to take her away. Anywhere she wanted to go, I would take her there. Which, in a way, it's really great because Charlie did have a support system that she could have had. But I think this speaks a lot to the whole Stockholm syndrome and really believing that the the situation you're in isn't as bad as it seems. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of like Gypsy Rose and that whole situation with her mom a little bit, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where when you're reading it, like this is the thing I want to say, like when you're reading it or you're hearing it, we go, why can't they just leave? Like they should just walk away. They've had, they had opportunities. But the truth is, is that like sometimes when you're in that situation, you just can't. There's something either telling you in your head not to or what. And I just I don't want people to victim shame Charlie and be like, she should have left because at the end of the day, I honestly don't think that it would have mattered. Mm-hmm. I think Manny was that's who his personality was. Yeah, he was one of those guys who were like, if I can't have you, nobody will have you type situation. That's my caveat right there. So in the summer of 2015, Charlie had gone to visit her grandma, Lucy Carlson and Helena, and Lucy asked Charlie to come stay with her, saying that there was plenty of protection in the house and Lucy knew how to use it. So I love Cracker Jack or like Fire Jack Lucy. Lucy knew something was going on with Charlie and Manny and she was trying to keep her safe. Unfortunately, Manny would show up to Lucy's house and end up taking Charlie back with him to Masula. On December 16th, 2015, days before she went missing, Charlie called her brother Maxwell, who lived in Masula as well, asking if he could pick her up from the hospital where her boss had taken her and like dropped her off. And it was said that, okay, I have to amend something. I do believe that Charles, like her father's name is Straight. That's right. I think I typed it wrong. I want to caveat that so that no one can be like, I I said it wrong. I said it right the first time. I just typed it wrong and corrected myself. So their last name is Straight. So Max well, Straight is her brother. So Max brought her home and she told him that she planned to stay there through the weekend until she, a friend could take her to Helena and like pick her up and take her back because she wanted to go see her son for Christmas. Max said he offered to take her that day, but she was kind of reluctant. He said, I had gas money and I could go drop her off and everything would be all right. So Charlie would leave, but then ultimately come back on the 20th to Max's house. So she was like sleeping in his living room and they were going to try to figure something out. The following morning of December 21st, Charlie was gone when Max like tried to find her. Her phone was gone. She wasn't like communicating with him. 
And Max's roommate said that Manny had come to the house or to the door and Charlie had gone with him. And according to text messages that were sent back and forth, Charlie had texted like they she had texted him like, I miss you. And then that kind of like thing had happened. And he's like, I'll come get you. And she's like, "Okay, I left the door open. Just like, come get me and we'll go. That kind of stuff. So she had gone back over to the house that she shared with him. At that point, this is the last person that we know that saw Charlie, right? So the 21st is really the last time that someone physically saw her, which was the roommate of Max, saying that Manny had come and gotten her. She's missed a couple of days of work. People are like, where is she? So flash forward to the 24th when Sherry and her son arrive at Charlie and Manny's home and they find Manny in the garage. And the garage door was like partly open and Manny was loading a large duffel bag into his SUV and kind of just like hanging out in the garage. And Sherry repeatedly asked Manny, where is Charlie? And he finally like came outside and told her that he and Charlie had had a big fight and that Charlie had left. And he was quoted to say, Charlie ain't coming back oh god which is creepy because like he's one of those people who are like i have to have you or no one else can yeah so it's like the total opposite Mm -hmm. yeah disturbed by this sherry didn't like good for fucking sherry can i just say this on this sherry calls the police like in the driveway she doesn't leave she calls the police and they come and lieutenant sandy Costina went to the house where they lived and they got a warrant to search the suv in the garage where they found charlie's wallet with her driver's license as well as some of her other personal items so like right now like to say that charlie left we've talked about this before people who leave don't leave the things they need to run away mm-hmm, exactly you know like when we did the Kristen smart one she didn't have her wallet or her keys or her she didn't have a phone, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, didn't have her personables on her. Exactly. Same thing with Lauren Giddings, too. Like, they don't just leave their stuff and just be like, peace. Right. Starting a new life with nothing. No, it's not a thing. Right. So it was quickly discovered the fight that had happened on the 21st had again turned violent. According to the roommates that shared the house with Charlie and Manny, the two were arguing, which wasn't unusual, until they heard a loud thump and then a scream. And then they kind of like were like, what the fuck? And they waited and they went and looked out the window and they could see that Manny was driving away and they said that he tore out of the driveway but could be seen holding someone down. They also found blood spots from his door to the front steps of the snow, like where the vehicle was parked. And I have one question for these people. Why didn't they call right then? Thank you. This is my one question. Literally, like, why didn't they call the cops? This is like one of those moments in time where like, if here's the thing. If I knew that my, like, we don't have roommates, but like our next door neighbors, we know them. They're cool. And they don't. So I want to preface this, (laughs) that they're very sweet, wonderful people and we love them. But like, if suddenly I heard a fucking scream and like a thump or a thud and then like I see him peel out holding her down in the back seat, you bet your fucking ass I'm calling the cops. I don't care how much I like him. Like how great a neighbors they are. And they saw blood. Like, this is the moment that I'm like, they could have saved her life. Yeah. Because if they had called the police, they had said where, which direction they were going, someone could have gotten out to like, maybe like stop them and get her medical help. Yeah. 
The police spoke to Manny and he had like damage to his hand. And he said that Charlie had dropped the hood of the car on his hand on purpose like a month ago. Oh my God. And they kind of were like, okay, but it didn't really look like that. Mm -hmm. Manny also said that, which was true but not the the right timeline, that Charlie had left with one of her brothers. But again, at this point, like, they're like, no, she left that morning and we haven't seen her in a few days. So, like, what gives? Yeah. Which, okay, I want to say this part. Like, when I read this, I was like, okay, no big deal. But they found cleaning supplies in their house, obviously. And I'm like, they made the article made it sound like they found cleaning supplies in his house. I'm like, what kind of cleaning supplies? Right. Because, like, I really hope you have some, like, cleaning supplies in your house people if you don't go get some clean your house (laughs) disinfect (laughs) and it looked like that there had been areas where blood had been cleaned up but like not all of it had been cleaned up it's like one of those moments where you're like yes be the person who can't be a crime scene cleanup person (laughs) they also checked his web history and on december 22nd he researched homicides in Missoula. So like in that area. Oh God. The next thing he was, was he looked up DOJ missing persons. So Department of Justice missing persons. Mm. And he looked up U-Haul reservations. Oh no. Right. So Manny of course was arrested, but he wasn't arrested for murder charges. He was arrested and charged with a misdemeanor partner or family member assault. So I want to say, can we please fucking give a round of applause for the Missoula PD right now? Right. Because how many times have Tara and I've talked about shit and like they don't do anything they don't arrest them like these people were like you were in an abusive relationship with the missing person and then they're like well we're not gonna charge you on abusing them we're just gonna let you go and then you have a chance to run away or hide evidence or do something Ugh, yeah no they were like gotcha lock you up and right then and there they began to look for Charlie to see where she'd gone because at this point I mean it could be like she's in an abusive relationship maybe she'd gotten a fake ID and was trying to run away and maybe was like hiding out at a hotel like I know I told the story about my older brother like running away so I can see like where people would be like okay maybe she did go but we should look for her and not just be like you know slow police and be like she's probably camping oh my god I fucking can't (laughs) in December in Montana (laughs) Jesus (laughs) and they started calling people and no one had seen her like physically since the fight and so technically max was the last person to see her like max was the last person to see her see her but like the roommate obviously saw her in the back seat of the car they began to search for charlie in the local canyons they were taking her being missing very seriously also like i just made the joke that it's like december in montana which i'm assuming it's a lot like alaska in montana oh dude like it's colder there than it is here sometimes. Well, like where I live in Alaska. But yeah, no, definitely not anything you want to mess around with and just be chilling outside like without anything. Yeah. Right. So they started checking the canyons. Also, Charlie had told friends and family that Manny would take her up there and like show her where he could like kill her and (gasps) throw her body and shit like that if she tried to leave him. Oh, no. She even told them that he would drive the Patty Canyon to show her the bodies. Mm -hmm. And this is also where he would take her sometimes to like actually beat her because he could take her out there and no one would hear it. That's terrible. Oh my God. 
I'm sorry, but like, mm. no offense to anyone. Kathy, we love you. This is not meant for you. We know you knew her, but like, at the same time, like, people, if your friend is like abusing someone, if you call enough times, police pay attention. If your friend shows up with a bruise they can't explain and you know it's not because they're like, if I showed up somewhere with a bruise, Tara would be like, what the fuck did you fall over? Because <laughs> yeah. she knows me. But like, you know, if I showed up with like a fist print on my body somewhere or like a scratch mark that could not be explained away by Chloe, there would be some concern. So please make sure we're checking on people. But to be fair, it's it's just really hard because it's like people can care and people can report and report, but it's like, and this is not me victim shaming. It's just like, right. you can't make somebody leave until they're ready to leave which is so heartbreaking no you can't the only thing you can do is get them in the system enough that when police hear oh it's this they go because they know it's violent those kind of situations are just so tough and so heartbreaking for everybody it is So the police actually got down to it really quickly. And one of the things that they did was they looked up his GPS coordinates from his cell phone. Because we all know. Handy dandy. Like seriously, cell towers. They stop in crimes all over the world. Literally. So they checked his GPS coordinates with the pings from the tower. And it was near this specific part of the Paddy Canyon on December 21st, which was the last day anyone saw Charlie. So around 11 or 1130 on Sunday, December 25th, 2015, search teams would locate Charlie's body Mm. off of the east side of Patty's Canyon, found 50 feet from the road along like a Deer Creek drainage ditch. Police made a statement that they weren't going to comment on the cause until they received the official autopsy from the state crime lab. Hmm. Is that proper police procedure? Sorry, it's like it's a Kurt Cobain story dig. <laughs> I know, it's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like they're doing all the right things and it's like making me think of these cases where they are not. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Tara and I both grew up in a small area, like a small town, small area. Mm -hmm. So like I can say that like a lot of times police departments get to be known as like podunk. They don't really know things. Here's a small town in Montana, which some people don't believe people live in Montana. What? I have literally, no, I literally people like who live in Montana, Buffalo, just bison. What the fuck? (laughs) That's so weird. I was like, that is funny, but not true. Yeah. Lots of people live in Montana. It's fine. Right. But no, I get what you're saying. It's like a smaller area and yeah. they can have the wherewithal to do these things correctly. Why the fuck can't Seattle PD and Slow PD do it? I get you. I get you. Just clapping and happiness and yay. <laughs> so like if I could ever give them like a gold star or a ribbon or if anyone from that police department ever heard this, just know that I think you guys are champions and keep it up. Mm-hmm. And I literally wrote my next line I wrote is I appreciate the police department that understands protocol calls and limitations because along with this a lot of times we hear with cases like when it's a small town or some sort of they don't want to like get help or send out to the right places but they were like the deputy uh, medical examiner dr nikki Mortzino, i hope i said that right on the montana state crime lab conducted the autopsy so not like the town coroner you know or the mortuary guy they sent it out to like the proper authorities right it was discovered that charlie had been stabbed in the chest and it, that it had hit her lung and it had been punctured. They found that this was ultimately her cause of death, though she didn't die of her injury right away. Further investigation with the autopsy revealed that she had a torn spleen, a broken rib, bruises across her body, 
all of which happened while her heart was still beating, said the doctor. Oh. The investigation of the case, they never found the knife or any other weapon that caused the stab wound. So they feel like he ditched it somewhere else. I mean, he had four days before anyone confronted him, so he could have literally driven it so far away. Yeah. Because Montana does have a lot of wilderness. Mortensino said that she couldn't give a time or a day of death while Charlie's body was found on December 26, six days after the fight at the home she shared with Manny. The doctor concluded that she didn't live long enough to die of hypothermia. Ugh. So I don't know how long it takes you to die of hypothermia. I didn't want to look it up because that scared me. Mm-hmm. Mainly because I was like, dare never get locked out of your house without your keys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please don't. I live in a suburban area. I could literally go knock on so many doors. Yeah, but like people are assholes. We know this. No, somebody would open the door. Trust me. <laughs> That's true. But if you move into the sticks. Oh, my God. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Having panics, guys, for like not legitimate reasons. (laughs) So a crime lab DNA analyst, Jennifer Raviz Siegfried, tested the blood that was found in the home. And it was also found inside the SUV and on a towel in the home. And it contained a mixture of two DNA profiles. One was Manny's and one was Charlie's. But it was primarily composed of Charlie's. On December 28th, 2015, Manny was charged with deliberate homicide and bail was set at $1 million. I did look up because I'd never heard something be like deliberate homicide. That seemed different to me. Yeah. So according to the Montana Code, it is Title 45 Crimes, Chapter 5, Part 1, Homicide. 45-5-201, deliberate homicide is the person who commits the offense of a deliberate homicide if the person purposely or knowingly causes the death of another human being the person attempts to commit commits or legally accountable for the attempt or commission of robbery sexual intercourse without consent arsony burglary kidnapping aggravated kidnapping felonious escape assault with a weapon aggravated assault or any of other forcible felonies in the course of a forcible felony Basically, if anything like that happens, someone dies. You're responsible. The person no purposely or knowingly causes the death of a fetus of another with knowledge that the woman is pregnant. And then this is the sentence that's written into this. A person convicted of this offense of deliberate homicide shall be punished by death as provided by 46-48-301 through 46-18-301. 310, unless the person is less than 18 at the time of the commission of the offense, by life imprisonment or imprisonment in the state prison for a term that is no less than 10 years and more than 100 years, except, and then there's a couple other codes that I don't even know what they're for. So I like when they like tell you, here's what's going to (laughs) happen. Like, here's what it is. This is what will happen to you. That's very clean. I like it. Montana is becoming a very fast loving state for me. Also, shout out to these local news articles. Like, there were legitimately no videos on this case. So if you go to the sources and watch the videos, sorry to tell you there's none. All the information I got is from like local articles. So like super power to these people for writing this. So the trial was originally set for September 21st, 2016, and it was expected to last six consecutive days. However, Manny's lawyers, Lisa Kaufman and Brian Smith, submitted a motion of clarification that could rule out key pieces of evidence. In the motion, Manny's lawyers claim his statement explaining his role in Charlie's death and disappearance had been suppressed. The only evidence that places Mr. Gomez at the scene of the knife wound 
is his suppressed statement, said his lawyers. The only direct evidence that Mr. Gomez was at the Paddy Canyon is from Mr. Gomez's suppressed statement. The only direct evidence of his state of mind at the time of the knife wound is from his suppressed statement. Mr. Gomez may assert his right to not testify. We've talked about this in the past where they go and they try to block it and they have these like try to throw evidence out trials and the request was denied. So they weren't going to like throw it out, but it did postpone it a bit. So the trial began on January 26, 2017, and it lasted for eight days. The prosecution was made up of Missoula County attorney Kirsten Past and prosecutor Jordan Kilby. They spent eight days providing evidence that Manny did, in fact, kill Charlie. Um, The prosecution opened with a powerful opening statement. They said she'd been worried that he would kill her. She told her friends that if she went missing, they should look for her body up Patty Canyon. She had said he had taken her to these places up there, far from out of earshot of any of the houses and hurt her. The defendant took her to his house and locked the door. And several hours later, Charlie has broken ribs, a broken nose, lacerations, and a bleeding spine, a punctured lung, and is dying. Her last day alive ended up Paddy Canyon, where the defendant tossed her off the road into the ravine in frigid temperatures, where she landed 29 feet below, where she landed up against a bush where she froze. Less than 29 feet from me sits that man. And so then she points to him dramatically. She would go on to say after dumping the body, Manny returned to the home to clean up his Chevy Tahoe. I mean, I'm not going to go through all the things in court because that's like the one thing that they didn't really provide a lot of was like the details of the court. But they did provide opening and closing statements. And of course, like the defense is saying, like, you can't find him guilty. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But they're basically saying like the only thing you could kind of get him on is that they were like he beat her. There was domestic abuse. And I'm like, really? Like, that's what that's what you're going with? I get that's your job. But like, that's the statement out of your mouth, ma'am? Okay. So, Past would close by asking the jury to convict Manny of felony deliberate homicide and partner or family member assault. And it said, after the presentation of testimony, we're going to ask you to find him guilty. Guilty on both counts of deliberate homicide and partner or family member assault. In doing so, we're asking you to hold him accountable. The testimony and witnesses would build a path and the path will lead that man to the chair. A chair that he has earned for violent destruction. Someone murders me, please get her. (laughs) She's eloquent AF. Yeah. She would also go on to say, the defendant then started the tedious process of scrubbing away his crime, cleaning his vehicle, his bathroom, his bedroom. And after Charlie hadn't shown up for a couple shifts at work, a mother of one of Wyrick's co-workers asked Gomez directly, where is Charlie? To which he replied, she gone and she ain't coming back. Also, it is said that he left in a different article, but I just wanted to share that with you. What a piece of shit. Lisa Kaufman, who was his attorney, said that the state was only building a case on assumptions, not direct evidence. The state is asking the jury to assume that he, meaning Manny, was in a violent relationship with Charlie, and therefore he must have been the one to kill her. They were unable to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he actually is the one to hurt her and hide her body in Patty Canyon. There's no murder weapon. There's no witnesses, only assumptions. And then the other prosecutor came in and was just like, look, they described like her body was frozen. They brought in a detect, one of the detectives, 
It's Detective Bert. He said she was frozen in position. Not only her, but her clothing were frozen, making it extremely difficult. There was evidence of blood or what appeared to be blood there, but I couldn't do a good enough examination at the scene to determine where the blood was coming from because he threw her out in the middle of winter. Jordan Kilby did the closing statement and she said, if you ever leave me, I'll kill you. That is what the defendant said to Charlie Ann Wyrick as he grabbed her by her hair and pulled her down into his vehicle. He told her what he would do to her. She knew he meant what he said and he murdered her. I will ask you to find justice for Charlie for what he did to her and what he did to her family and let Mr. Gomez know that he can't get away with murder. Kaufman basically was like, you really can't, you know, say that this didn't happen. Like it's a body dump. How do we know she didn't jump? Like there's all this blah, blah, blah. The scene could be tampered with. How do we know it was him? She reminded that this is where it comes in. I mentioned earlier, she reminded the jury that there were two separate charges ahead of them. And this is what she said. You can find him guilty of one and not the other. With the dumb truck of evidence that they failed to prove that Manny or anyone else deliberately and purposely killed Charlie Wyrick. So it only took the jury like two and a half hours. And I'm pretty sure they just wanted food. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. And they found him guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison and he is appealing of course he sent an appeal on march 31st 2020 so it's probably like slow rolling and basically he's saying that there wasn't evidence like how could they blame it on him so yeah this story is one of those stories that it's like it's so hard because here is this young mother she was 26 It's also noted that they were only in a relationship for like eight or nine months. So this was like a small portion of her life. Yeah. And I just really hate abusive people. Yeah. I'm really new. I honestly like I get that there's mistakes that happen and like things like happen on accident. But when somebody like I can say this, if a member of my family was committing these kind of crimes habitually where they had multiple charges i would turn them in honestly it just breaks my heart because she had a little kid and she was beautiful she had like the most amazing freckles like if you when you see her picture she's just she looks like she's so happy and i'm just so sad that her life was cut short yeah With that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you, Kathy, for supporting the show. I'm very sorry for your loss. Yeah. You knew her. And um, if what the description of her is said, she probably was an amazing friend. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Also, again, thank you for supporting our show. We Mm -hmm. really appreciate it. And it was my honor to do this case for you. So we will catch you guys next time. We'll be back on Monday. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) 